What up? Welcome to the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guy Media. We have uh, some year-end lists starting. This is, uh, I have yet to decide whether or not I'm going to break this up into a few episodes or just one, do one big fucking gigantic episode, which is what I think I'm going to do. So in any case, this is the first part. And we have uh, Mr. Lou Smith of Burger Creek Productions of Lurking Class fame. The 15 Minutes of Fame podcast presented by Lurker, Lurking Creek Productions. Burger Creek Productions. Um, and uh, Lou, say what up. Thanks for joining once again. Look, man, any excuse to come on and, and bullshit with you. I know we had a lovely little tirade before we even started fucking actually recording this. Any opportunity to come on and chat specifically end of year stuff. I'm, I'm big on lists. So this is, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this was an interesting year. This is the first, like, I guess, full year with uh, with all the craziness of the pandemic kind of still happening. But we returned to movie theaters. We returned to live shows, be it in strange, sometimes mm-hmm. limited capacities. But the shit came back this year. Um, and hopefully we, we go even more further open back next year. Uh, I'm not with the negative naysayers that say it's going to get shut down again. It'll never get shut down again. I don't think we'll ever see that happen again. And uh, a lot of people are asymptomatic from this new fucking variant. Um, you, you know, you got whole fucking NBA teams that are asymptomatic, but eight, nine players are popping posse. So, uh, and they're talking about some kind of fucking super immunity, not to get fucking talk about the fucking virus. So Talk, talking about having a breakthrough case when after you get the booster that you, you might be some kind of super fucking immunity maybe maybe watching maybe watching one of these fucking god-awful films that came out in 2021 will give you super immunity to all the bullshit we're gonna probably see in 2020-22 so who the fuck knows anyway that aside uh we got top 10 or top five excuse me Movie lists and music lists. Uh, we'll start with the music lists. Uh, this was an interesting year for music. I feel like it actually wasn't hard for me to do a top five for music. It was more so difficult to do a top five for movies. So we'll do music first. Um, I I mean, I'm not going to lie. My top five list is pretty in the same realm be it some different ballparks but the same realm genre wise just a little bit uh to the offset of like maybe one band isn't necessarily is a little left to center to the rest but did you find doing a top five list for for music hard for 2022 so it's very interesting that you mentioned that essentially the lion's share of the the artists are all within the same genre or the same realm of music. Um, mine is the exact same way. Four out of the five artists are essentially within the same wheelhouse. Um, and, and to answer your question, I find it hard. What I found very interesting, like with going through with like the 15 minutes of fame podcast and talking with some of these bands from like all over the bands that were putting out and releasing physical media in particular, specifically vinyl, there was all sorts of supply chain fucking headaches associated with releases. Shit being at the plant, shit not being sent out, stuff not being completed. So like there was music that was being released digitally, whether it's be it on fucking Bandcamp or Spotify or wherever, but the actual physical release, things are being put, you know, pushed ahead because 
at, at in some instances we st- still were in the midst of you know certain fucking elements of the pandemic or they were shipping them to countries that they were you know encountering issues so i found it easier than the movies but i also found that with the movies <laughs> with the movies i couldn't tell if it was did I just watch this or did I like it enough to put it on a list? Because I do have some honorable mentions, but like, I don't know. I, I think it was almost one of those things with the movies where it was like, it was just available. Do you know what I'm saying? So right. Like, was it right. good? Well, it was there. It's almost like shitty pizza. It's like, I'm still going to eat it and like it. It's going to fill me up to, to a certain degree, but like, was it good? Is it fucking Pepe's Pizza circa fucking 1998 good? Or is it Pepe's Pizza circa 2021? Right. It's still filling, you know, but is it as good? I don't know. So I so I found it easier for me to, to do the albums that came much more uh, organic and fluid than the movies did. Yeah, I would I would have to agree. Um, but let's uh, let's dive right in. What do you have for your number five record? All right. My number five album is uh, Killmatic. It's by Jimmy Vapid. That was released in April. Uh, Jimmy, of course, being the, the kind of main force behind the Vapids. Uh, that is a uh, Ontario-Canada-based uh, Ramones core band. Um, they've been active for quite some time at this point, and this was one of his, this was his recent uh, solo album released, uh, like I said, in April. And uh, the standout track, I did like kind of standout tracks for each one of these two. Uh, Imperial Holdings, totally check it out. Um, if you are a fan of just loud, uh, semi-melodic rock and roll, punk rock, um, and or the Ramones, you should definitely check it out. And check out the Vapids, too. But um, Jimmy's a really cool guy. I've, I've had him on the podcast a couple times. And um, just very smart, and he's a super talented uh, musician. So, yeah, Killmatic from uh, Jimmy Vapid. That's my number five. Hell, yeah. No, this is going to be good, too, because I, I, I definitely interested to hear what you have and check out what you have so maybe uh and i know i've talked about this band my number five um is a band i've listened to since their first record which came out in 2003 um they go with the traditional sense of naming every record self-titled um and then just kind of it kind of gets lumped into calling it just you know number two three four um, and this is the sixth album from them, official studio release of original material. It's uh, The Bronx, and this band I've followed for a while. They they mesh like a fun skate rock, like Southern California, like punk vibe with like kind of upbeat, like wild and crazy, like rock and roll that I can't think is kind of lost when people tell me like what's a good rock band and when you say rock or rock and roll people automatically think like radio rock or like uh some of those like more radio rock bands uh i guess i'm I'm blanking on some some bands to call but like i guess the the breaking benjamins and shit like that and 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 things like that like uh whenever you say rock they think just radio rock modern rock no real rock and roll to me is is this band um and this is you know punk ethics with uh rock and roll music and they just they kill it i love this record um i love every one of their records but this last record was really awesome and uh yeah they're such a great band and i've been a fan for a while so the bronx uh the sixth self-titled record oh yeah 
It was, uh, that's very interesting you mentioned the Bronx. I was having a conversation with someone the other day that highly recommended that I check that out. So you're the first, per- or there's the second person in like a two week period that specifically mentioned that. So I'll have to give that, uh, I'll have to give that a whoa. Uh, cause I echo the same thing, dude. There's, I know that you and I, we, we, we will go on tirades about various aspects of the Ramones or, or movies or what have you. So it'd be cool to, to see how these match up and, um, I definitely want to look into some of this stuff as well uh, that you're, you're will be mentioning. I'm sure. Um, so my number four, it's uh, it's the album Boris Sprinkler. Uh, this is this is by kind of a super group. Uh, they're called the Suck, and they're made up of it's made up of a bunch of different members, more or less from other groups. It's not they weren't necessarily created to be a touring band. Um, it was more kind of a studio project. There's individuals in Pennsylvania. I believe that there's also individuals in Indiana. It's kind of one of those. Um, and I, I apologize if I missed that. I, I, if memory serves me correct, I thought it was Indiana where some other individuals were, were uh, lurking, so to speak. Uh, this was released in July. Um, the, the standout track, one of the tracks I would recommend, Who Brought the Tits? Um, th- this is a, a very fun, kind of somewhat goofy uh, take on like pop punk, uh, very four to the floor. Um, I guess you could you could say that this these these guys definitely uh, embrace that that Ramones core ethos um, specifically. Um, what's also interesting too is they have two guitarists as well, so it's a very full sound. Um, lead singer, that's just the singer, right? Uh, drummer, bassist. So it's it's a very full band. Uh, and it translates very well into some of the recordings, but this was their most recent uh, this their most recent release from July of this past year. Uh, yeah, the suck uh, released Boris Sprinkler. Check it out. The suck. All right. Um, number four for me. I think if this record got released a little bit earlier, it might have a higher uh, stationing here because they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, Buffalo, New York uh, band. Uh, this is their ninth record or something like that i mean they're probably the most consistent band from their contemporaries uh that has never broken up they've never stopped touring uh and we've watched every band around them and in their kind of uh workspace uh disband take breaks break up uh, all that this band never has this record was written pre-pandemic and then was to be released in the spring of 2020 and oh and then was pushed and was going i think i think it was going to be released in summer 2020 or something like that it was going to be released in october later 2020 and then it got pushed back pushed back and ended up getting released in october 2021 uh it's every time i die is uh radical um great band again like when people say rock and roll bands like obviously they come from like a a metal metalcore hardcore uh bass um but their music has certainly always had a rock and roll element to it that they were just kind of like a party band and they've slowly grown that sound and incorporated some different elements willis always keeping their their core sound and when you hear it you know it's every time i die it's like 16 tracks of fucking of just awesome uh you know witty witty lyrics and things like that and just uh Again, you know, we were talking about before we recorded about bands like, you know, about, you know, people still buy physical music. I know every single variant of this record sold out um, 
But yeah, the Eated, uh, Every Time It Dies, Radical. Just an awesome fucking record. I mean, they don't, they just don't put out bad records. They just don't do it. So uh, I think if I would have spent a little more time with this, it might have been higher up. But uh, that being said, the album I've listened to probably the least on this is my number one because I just discovered it probably a month ago. So maybe I'm a little contradictory here. I I don't know. But regardless, yes. No, number four is Every Time I Die is uh, Radical. Hell yeah. Now, were you able to get out to that? I know they do the big event out in Buffalo like every year, the big like holiday thing. Yeah. Were you able to get out there this year? No, I didn't. I didn't go out there this year. The tickets sold out. Um, I kind of like sat on the tickets because honestly, like, I was just like, "Fuck this!" If uh, I was, I, I was still like, uh, in you know my shell shock of like, f- I don't want to purchase tickets to have it get canceled. Yeah, I didn't want to yeah. purchase tickets to have it get canceled. And of course, like hindsight now, I mean, which is funny because three of the bands that are on my list, three of them played that weekend last last weekend which was the saturday friday and saturday um one of them was the bronx it was on there and my next one i'll reveal but um but yeah the bronx was on there and their mariachi band they also have a band that is comprised of themselves and a few other people where they do all mar- original mariachi songs and they're called mariachi el bronx um so the bronx played one day and mariachi el bronx played another um but yeah, uh, one of my favorite bands, Poison the Well, ended up popping. A couple members popped COVID, so they had to drop off it. Um, and that was I wanted to go to the whole thing, but no, it didn't make it out. But they have their hol- holiday shows, the Tid the Season shows every single year. They've had those since before they were called anything. They were just every time I die holiday show back in the uh, mid two thousands when they started those. But no, I didn't. Unfortunately, didn't make it out. But maybe next year. Oh yeah. Now this. This album in particular, if there would be any any of these albums on this list that I would highly recommend, and I know it's my number three, but I would highly recommend that you check out in particular. I think this one may or may not resonate the most. Maybe my number one would resonate a little bit more, but um, this is a band out of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, they were voted the second best rock and roll band in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, the Raging Nathans. Uh, They released their album, Waste My Heart, in uh, June of this past year. And the way that I can describe them is, uh, think of the ferocity of any, like, propaganda, or I almost want to say aspects of, uh, we'll say mid-90s, like, skate punk type stuff. But what really blows me away about, about this band in particular is how they employ lyrics. And because, like, they're definitely not like a Ramones core band. They're more of, I would, again, put them in line with uh, a skate punk band. Very, very clever. Um, it, they're not your, your stereotypical, you know, every other line rhymes type stuff, which is fine. Bands do that all the time. That's cool. But they're just, I don't know, they're the high energy. I haven't seen them yet, but I have a couple of their recordings, physical media stuff. Um and this album just completely blew me away. Totally took me by, like, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and then I went out and I got, I, I picked this up after listening, he- heavily listening to this uh, via Bandcamp. And then I just, I bought a copy of it and I bought one of their compilations. They're, they're one of those bands that release a lot of, like, seven inches. So, like, they'll have comps that'll be like, these are all the seven inches that we released between whatever, uh, fucking 2018 and 2019 or, or what insert your dates here right as far as the full lengths are concerned it's a little less than their 
what appears to be their main focus is releasing seven inches and splits and all that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, Waste My Heart by the Raging Nation, Nathan's uh, Out of Touch. That track is fucking killer. So I would highly recommend you uh, you check that check that check them out because they're fucking rad. I just noted that and I will be checking that out. So my number three, um is a band that kind of blew up last year. They've been around, I think, for since 2017. It's it's uh it has Courtney LaPlante in from she was a replacement vocalist and I wrestled a bear once. Uh which is like a metal I don't know. They all these subgenres fucking irk me, but like uh anyway, um they were a metal band, uh more or less. Uh and she was a replacement singer. She ended up the band ended up dissolving and she started uh, another band with her husband um, called Spirit Box in 2016-17. And then last year they released they released like some singles here up until last year and a couple other like little EP type deals. But they released a, a single called Holy Roller last year. It was like number one on like Liquid Metal on Sirius and, and they kind of got a lot of traction just off one song last year. Um, and they ended up releasing a full length this year called eternal blue, uh, female vocals. She's got a beautiful, like melodic voice, but also like a brutal, brutal guttural, uh, like metal voice. And this incorporates so much different stuff that I like as far as music goes. And yeah, this record is my number three spirit box is eternal blue. It's just a brutal record, but also super melodic. She's an amazing singer on both sides of the fence. And, uh, yeah, for anybody that's into like the super brutal stuff, but yet the super melodic stuff, uh, you know the the classic metalcore stuff, I guess, where the uh, singy chorus, um, screamy verses, but also someone who actually can sing. Not like a lot of metalcore bands where the, took them to like their fifth or sixth record and a major label signing before they figured out how to tr- truly properly sing. But uh, this band rips. They're, they're fucking awesome, and I look forward to seeing them live. They also played the Every Time I Die Christmas show. Um, and unfortunately, I saw only – I saw none of these bands. I was scheduled to see – I wanted to – I had opportunities to see all these bands, but for one reason or another, be it a COVID cancellation or um, – tickets selling out uh or bands dropping off the tour uh i couldn't see uh specifically this top five which is funny but it's unfortunate but what can you do yeah i think it's just the main thing is you know being cognizant of any tours because like right now i don't know about you but it's like looking ahead into 2022 and it's like this massive overhaul of artists just trying to make up for the last fucking two years of like things being essentially non-existent as far as shows are concerned. I know that we've gone back. We've, we've both seen a handful of shows since like things have kind of lifted, but I'm talking like, you know, I'm talking like the larger swath of like bands are just like, it's overhaul now. It's almost like overdrive where it's like, I were shows are back. Concerts are back, whatever, like full steam ahead and fucking, in 2022 so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hopefully uh hopefully no fucking bumps in the road um my number two i know that you and i have talked uh i've, I've talked at you about this artist uh contravoid from toronto from the toronto area former crystal castles drummer uh broke off and started doing this dark wave project um they, he had released an EP in October called Faceless. 
and did some collaboration with another artist in there. Uh, extremely haunting, hard, uh, hard dark wave. If you're you're into that type of thing, um, I know that you and I again. We've I've recommended the, the Contravoid stuff, but I think that this latest EP, it's definitely it reminds me a lot um, of the album that was put out uh, prior to basically his last release, which I think was 2018 or 2019. Um, but this, this, this little collection, this EP, um, as soon as it was released, it was like, yeah, this is like, I've been starving for not only this type of music, but in particular, Contravoid's take on just like, you know, dark wave electronic, uh, music is, is always really creepy and, uh, unsettling, but in, in all the right ways, uh, the track judgment is fucking amazing. Um, so I strongly urge anyone who, who has any sort of interest, um, you know, in non fucking stereotypical techno based electronic music to check, check this out because it's, it's, it's haunting to say the least, but it's fucking brilliant. So yeah. Uh, Contra Boy, the faceless EP from October, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely, definitely sounds up my alley. So it's definitely something I want to check out. Mm-hmm. And so for my number two, I have uh, another band that was born out of the remnants of another band. Um, uh, it's Light the Torches, You Will Be the Death of Me. So this actually has Howard uh, Jones, who previously sung for Killswitch Engage for like 12 years. Uh, before that, he was in a uh, Blood Has Been Shed, uh, bands I followed like growing up in the metal and hardcore, metalcore community, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and uh, been a huge supporter of him. And, and I mean, I could probably say that that, that Courtney LaPlante from uh, Spirit Box is the female version of Howard, because Howard's kind of the same way. He has super melodic vocals that like he's just got like, such a soulful, spiritual uh, melodic voice, but is also can just rip up like heavy screaming and growls. Uh, this is the second album by light the torch, technically like the fourth, because they had to change their name from devil, you know, um, which released two albums. The drummer left, the drummer got into a big fucking dispute over the name. So they changed their name to light the torch. This is their second record under the light, the torch moniker. But, uh, yeah, this record's great. Blew my balls off. Loved it. Uh, also has Ryan Wambacher, the bassist for Bleeding Through, uh, playing bass and providing a lot of backing vocals. And, yeah, this record's just good. I mean, if you're a fan of Howard's work and Killswitch Engage or Blood Has Been Shed, um, you're you're probably going to love this record because it's probably some of his best vocal work. The dude's in his 50s now, and he's just fucking, like, slaying the tits off uh, these new kids. So, uh, yeah, light the torch. You'll be the death of me. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, the um, this this my number one uh, overall. This would be definitely the other one if I didn't recommend their first album to you. Um, this is their second. Uh, this is their second album. This one I would definitely recommend. I would recommend checking out both of them. Um, so the the I guess if you want to call it like a sci-fi spy movie book influenced Ramones core band, uh, the covert flops, they released, uh, an album, uh, this past November called mission Implausible. 
Um, their first album I got my hands on, I want to say the first part of this year, um, and that was from 2019, Defcon One Two Three Four, and I was I was I was like legitimately obsessed with it. Um, the CD lived in my car, uh, then traveled with me obviously to and from the stereo. Uh, but I listened to this one a lot. So then when I saw that they were coming with a new one, of course, I put the pre-order in and got the fucking T-shirt and all that bullshit through Mom's Basement Records because they do excellent work over there. Um, Cobra Flops are essentially made up of, it's a, it's a trio, so that's the other thing that I always find very fascinating. When you have three different individuals who can kind of man, or I should say take on vocal responsibilities, but also make it sound really full, uh, at the same time, especially for kind of taking their spin on, on Ramon's core stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Mission Plausible would highly recommend this. Um, it's actually, so the, the lead singer, or I should say one of the, one of the singers, um, Billy, he also plays in the Putts, which is another, uh, band in, in that same kind of realm as well. Um, there's a lot of bleed over I've found with, with some of these like Ramon's core bands. The more that I've dug into, the more people I've talked to. Um, there's a lot of crossover between these bands um, because everyone's just obsessed with Ramones and then they put their project together. Um, but uh, but yeah, Mission Implausible would highly re- recommend checking it out if you have if you're a fan of Cold War esque uh, movies, espionage films. Um, they're just again, they're what I think I like a lot about these guys too is they can take you know your three to four chord. Uh, esque type uh, t- type vibe to a song, and then just make it really. There, there's almost an element of like bubblegum to it as well. Um, it's not all just fucking go 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 hard hard hard. They kind of embrace both elements of you know what we know as the Ramones. It wasn't always fucking wildly chaotic. You know the Ramones had a number of songs that were sweet and that were a little down tempo-y, Although not the mass uh, mass majority of their discography. But um, but yeah, I would I would highly recommend uh, checking out Mission Implausible by uh, Cover of Flops. Fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna after we're done with this, I'm gonna have you send write your uh type your lists out or whatever and and text them to me for both of your movies and music because I am gonna create uh little things that I'm gonna post uh on the Heart God page. Um just so everyone can see like what my top five was, what your top five was. I'm gonna have Eric and Brian do it and Sean. So I definitely cause uh I, I would definitely like to get this uh maybe you know people that may listen or or watch the Instagram page, see some of these albums and get turned on by them because this is all good stuff. Uh, especially like, I'm sure like I'm listening to some stuff that you're talking about that I haven't heard of or, or checked out. It's definitely stuff I want to. So definitely set type me over those lists so I can, uh, so I can post uh, your list and hopefully turn other people onto this shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. my number one was an album that I just discovered probably a month ago. Uh, I fell immediately in love with this band. It is their first official full length. Again, singles and EPs uh, before this. It came out on Sharp Tone Records just uh, in October. Um, I'd seen this band like pop up on some show flyers before. I haven't caught them live. I was supposed to catch them in Albany. The show got canceled just this past weekend. Um, I was really, really, really pumped about that show. I was so pumped that it got canceled after they did six weeks of touring. They come down oh. to the last three shows, and the last three shows get canceled. I was so bummed. 
but I look forward to catching this band uh, live next year, hopefully, um, at a show. And it is a band called Dying Wish, and I believe they're from Portland, Oregon. And the record is Fragments of a Better Memory. This album, again, another female singer um, that I was thoroughly impressed with um, and equally as impressed with the music. The music truly brought me back. It picked my chubby ass up and dropped me back into 2004 as far as what I was listening to at the time. And they have just like riffs that are reminiscent of bands that I grew up loving. And they're a younger band, you know, all in their early 20s, I believe. And, like, they are just killing it. And they, this record is so fucking good. It is so brutal. Um, and they bring me back. They literally make me think of a band that I listened to in 2004. Uh, riffs are very It Dies Today influenced. I can hear that big time. So I was a big It Dies Today fan. They're a Buffalo band. Um, but this band really just blew my ass off like this record just blew me away it brought me back like i said to listening to music of a similar sound that you don't hear now because when you hear metal or metalcore um now i feel like it's kind of it sounds like everything that's came out the last 10 years so i was so burnt out on like the tunings and just the style and the the way they structured songs the last 10 to 15 years that I don't really check out a lot of newer, heavier bands. Uh, probably, you know, it's usually just people that are continuing bands from previous bands that broke up or things like that, that I'll check out as far as newer bands. So to get a brand new band ish band, I think they've been around for four or five years. Um, but this is their first full length and it just, it's fucking, it's awesome. So if you're a fan of, you know, I, I mean, I, I won't say Walls of Jericho just to say Walls of Jericho, but, you know, because of the female singer, um, she does an amazing job. And I never thought, I mean, not not to sound like this, but I just never preferenced heavy female singers super to my forefront. I mean, I loved Fall River. I loved Walls of Jericho, but I never thought I'd get one of those records that I thought where I would love it so much and it would be it would be so much in the forefront of what I would like so much that it would be a number one record for me for a year, but this one definitely is. So yeah, dying wish, uh, any fans of that early to mid two thousands metalcore like before it got super oversaturated. Um, yeah, this record's great fragments of a better memory dying wish. Nice. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be very interested to see these lists, uh, together, like how, how you put them together and release them. Cause It'd be really cool to kind of dive in. I'm always, I, I know that both you and I are always into to checking out new music in particular. So it'll be cool to see how this kind of, how these shape up and, you know, to your point too, hopefully people can, uh, can kind of discover some new tunes going to 2022. I know, I know a lot of the more metal or metalcore stuff uh, is kind of a little bit out of your realm, but if I would say anything, that Bronx record, uh, the Bronx's whole discography, honestly, I think you would truly love. And just, I'm, I'm assuming I should just start at the very beginning and fucking bounce ahead from there. I'm going to send you a couple tracks after this. Okay. Okay. Get you, Sounds get you jump started. <laughs> Perfect. How did, uh, so how did you want to do this with movies? Did you want to just kind of do the same thing? Five and work our way back up? Oh, actually, hold on a second. Before, before we, uh, before we push ahead, I, the, the only honorable mention that I do have for albums I wanted to make the list, but I just, I didn't spend enough time with it as I did with some of these other ones. 
Um, so this is a Syracuse-based band. Um, I'm sure you've uh, I'm sure you've checked them out at some point or heard of them or, or what have you. Uh, the Underwater Bosses they are a surf rock band uh, from the great city of Syracuse, uh, made up of a bunch of ex-punkers. Um, they uh, released the album "The Night Divides the Ride." Um, uh, essentially, if you if you are a fan of surf rock, predominantly instrumental uh, based surf rock, uh, I would recommend checking this out. Um, yeah, this, they put this album out in August, um, but it's it's just I, I don't know. There's something there's something to surf music. I, I don't I don't really know what it is or what part of my body gets tickled by surf music but it's just i don't know it's weirdly relaxing and oddly familiar to me um and i've seen these guys uh they, they play with the jagaloons another fantastic uh surf band they're out of albany again a bunch of ex-hardcore guys like it's just it's weird it's almost like okay our our regular bands are done what do we do now well we start a surf band it's like why you're these are landlocked predominantly landlocked cities you know there's no <laughs> oceans you know like we, yeah we have the hudson now here in albany and what fucking uh you know onondaga lake you know it's just it's just funny to me um but yeah i would i would definitely recommend uh you know as, as an honorable mention uh the night divides the ride by uh down the water bosses 100%. I'm, I'm telling you right now if you started a surf rock band that's, that played exclusively at sylvan beach and you just talked about like Marion Manor and a night of lake. That's a huge hit. That that'd sell out the crazy clam every night. Oh my god! Could you imagine too the people that would alter? Like you could easily play out on a patio. I know Foles is no longer, but if you were to play on the back patio of Foles Beach House, all the boats come in and anchor up, and you get fucking, you know, you get all the dads out there who don't want to go and work their shitty job on Monday, but they're there for they're, they're at Southern Beach on a Sunday to party kind of thing i feel like you would 100 percent captivate that small market uh 100 you know sweets on the beach is no more but you could easily you know you could fart around somewhere in there and fucking you said the crazy clam perfect fucking sylvan beach influenced surf rock could you imagine that i'll tell you what i don't know why it shouldn't warm my heart but hearing another human being utter the words Foles beach house just brings brings like sunshine to my chest i don't know just knowing that that name's kicking around in someone else's head in 2021 it is, it is, is. refreshing. <laughs> um, so let's do movies a little differently. I'll run through my five, five to one, and then you can run through your five, five to one, and then we'll discuss. Sure. That sounds awesome. So my number five, I mean, I was so torn on this movie. <laughs> I mean, it speaks to my list. Um, I couldn't. It wasn't bad. There was just some stuff that was not done to my liking but it's a halloween movie so it's i mean and it's michael myers killing people like it ultimately i mean i'm gonna be honest with you i couldn't find anything that i thought would be better that i've seen that came out in 2021 that i would put on this list because i really haven't seen that many newer movies i'm catching up for movies in the 80s and 90s that that eluded me for years and years and years that should have never eluded me and i'm catching up on those but uh Halloween Kills. Uh, I had uh, mixed feelings on it, but ultimately, I think I liked it. Um, so, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's Michael Myers, so it's got it, he like almost it almost defaults like to the list. But my number four is Val, the Val Kilmer documentary. I had such a great time watching this. It was really great. 
I know people got a lot of opinions on Vale about how he was too method, especially like in the Doors movie and shit like that. Um, a lot of people that didn't like Vale. Vale is pretty much his son narrating his documentary and Vale, because Vale obviously has uh, compromised speech now. He has a tracheotomy, like he had a tracheotomy because of his throat cancer. So he speaks out of a little crazy box now. Um, but it really showed. Uh, Val really took a lot of video from his younger years and all the way up through everything, through his movies and everything. So you're seeing like behind the scenes on a lot of movies that he was on and stuff because he was just enamored with capturing things on video camera. Even from the 80s, you know, the 70s when he was a kid to the 80s and the 90s and throughout the heights, the highs and the lows of his career. So it was really great. I love Val Kilmer. So the documentary Val. Number three, Candyman, which is a remake or not a not a remake excuse me is a you know a sequel to the direct sequel to the original um they tied the story together really well um and i just thought it was fucking awesome without giving i guess too many spoilers away right at this moment um it kind of ties everything together and i i was shocked by how much i enjoyed it Number two, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, like I said, I didn't see a lot of movies that came out in 2021 this year, but this one I thought they did everything right. It was I still haven't seen the 2016 female Ghostbusters. Um, from the sounds of it, I have no desire to, but they did this one right. They did it justice. Um, there's many, many things in it that I think are love letters to the original fans. we got Jason Reitman, the director's son of the original Ivan Reitman he uh Jason Reitman directed this so in good company um and obviously some familiar faces from the original um as well my number one was an original horror movie this year starring uh Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessender uh Jacob's Wife original horror movie vampire movie from 2021 this one was fucking awesome uh, and it brought me back to just renting a fucking random movie I didn't know anything about and watching it on a Friday night with some friends. Um, and, yeah, it was fucking awesome. Jacob's Wife, my number one. Oh, yeah. I definitely need to check that out. Anything with Barbara Crampton, I'm traditionally on board. So, um, hell, yeah. Uh, I, now, to, to your point, too, I know when we first started recording this, I basically was going through and I was kind of taking stock and inventory of, of what films were released over 2021. And at first I was like, did I end up seeing all of these movies? And it's like, well, yeah, I saw these Americanizing the name, but it was more or less, am I including them in a list because I saw them or am I including them in a list because they were good? Right. And so this was a little, this was definitely a little bit more challenging. Uh, I know, as I said, than, than the albums, um, my number five, I, I thought was a very clever take on on horror and kind of the genre. It was a Netflix, uh, it was a Netflix original uh, film, a classic horror story. Um, if you can think of basically uh, take aspects of Cabin in the Woods, but not as sinister, more profit driven if that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. If you, I guess you have to see it to, to kind of understand that. But it's basically, without spoiling too much, it is things are happening to the main uh, protagonists for a reason because think of the Wizard of Oz, right? There is a, a man behind the fucking curtain, 
right? Levers are being pulled and things are happening. So it's kind of one of those things where no one understands why things are happening the way in which they're happening. And then there's a, there's a, a handful of twists, but I, I thought it was, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was one of the more clever ones that I had seen um, last year when it comes to something that was released via Netflix. Um, my number four, uh, anyone who's ever, well, I guess who grew up with me as a child, specifically my cousins and my brothers, um, I'm a huge G.I. Joe fan. Um, I wasn't necessarily crazy about, um, you know, Rise of Cobra. I thought Retaliation was good, um, but with the bar set so low with Rise of Cobra, um, I mean, it could only get better, right? So Retaliation, I, I liked. And when they announced that they were doing the Snake Eyes origin story, I was ecstatic. Um, I knew it was going to be more of a, a martial arts type uh, story, and I was on board with it. I wanted to see exactly what they were going to do with a, a little bit, uh, what, what I would believe to be a higher budget, um, and to see kind of where the divide happened between both Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow early on in their uh, respective careers, so to speak, uh, prior to really Cobra entering the scene. I thought it was, it was, it was a very, it was, I liked it. Um, and again, part of me, I don't know if I liked it because it was just new GI Joe source material or, uh, if the movie was good, but overall, I, I, I would need to do a rewatch, but right now when I was writing this list, that was up there. Uh, I had a great time seeing it. It was a blast. Um, and I guess the same goes with my number three, uh, fucking laugh in my face. If you want, I liked Mortal Kombat. I saw it in theaters and I watched it again uh, in the comfort of my own home. We were, I went with my buddy Derek. We we're the only people in the theaters. Um, but for, for someone growing up, uh, thoroughly enjoying the original Mortal Kombat movie and then Mortal Kombat Annihilation, in particular Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I have a soft spot for. Um, I loved Mortal Kombat. I thought it was the fucking sequence. The fight sequences were fucking fantastic, but also the way in which they incorporated um kind of the 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 quote-unquote villains i guess um across the board i i just thought it was an interesting tale the one thing i wasn't super crazy about is the fact that they the the main character it wasn't a Liu kang character it was basically a, a random person um so it kind of took the element of like we have this established universe of characters and their respective little stories right blurbs but now here's somebody new. I don't like when, when studios do that. I don't like when writers do that. You already have a pool of characters to pull from. Why the fuck are you creating something new for the sake of doing it? I hate that. It drives me fucking insane. But in this case, I can push that aside. I think uh, the filmography was cool, the special effects. It, I just I liked it. I, I, I'm not going to mince words there. Uh, my number two, uh, similar to you, I, I, I did include Halloween Kills. This is my number two. Uh, the, the main reason why I put this on this list is because I was so heavily anticipating where we were going to go following uh, the first installment uh, from 2018, I believe. And this, I was, I think I liked it more than those other movies that I, I had rattled off on my list. I liked it more because I, there was so much more hype building around it. I've only gotten to see it once. Uh, that was in theaters. We went and saw it. Um, so again, I, I feel like I would need to, to watch this again to see how it stacks up against those, uh, other three that I had rattled off, but I, I enjoy Halloween. I enjoyed Halloween kills. I didn't necessarily enjoy how the movie appeared to not really progress much as far as the story is concerned. 
Um, and I know that people are going to be like, well, actually, let me push on my glasses and explain. It's like, well, fuck you. I don't, I don't think that the story necessarily progressed a whole lot. There was great sequences. There was great fucking, there was great kill sequences. Um, and the nods in there with, with aspects of the different characters that they were incorporating. Yes. Very awesome. But I, I liken it a lot to, um, the second Disney installment in the star Wars franchise. Nothing really happened in that movie. It was basically filler. Do I think the Halloween Kills is a filler? No, but I was hoping there was going to be a little bit more substance because they came in so strong with uh, with that first installment. So I, I still do put it up on my number two just because um, I, I had a blast in the theaters watching this. Um, and my number one, this I actually saw somewhat recently. I saw this, I think, a month ago, uh, a few weeks ago, and it definitely had the largest impact on me out of any of these movies that I've watched this year. Uh, maybe in the last couple of years, I saw pig with Nicolas cage. And I don't know as if it's hard to explain without giving it away. There's an individual who essentially is a former chef. He goes and becomes kind of reclusive. Uh, he has a pig that's utilized to, to hunt for truffles. Uh, this is in the, I guess the greater Portland, Seattle, Washington area. Um, but it's the story of, of almost like anyone that comes into contact with Nicolas Cage is impacted in some way, shape, or form. Like, but but not just in in your typical way of oh now I now I can go propose my wife because you had this heart to heart conversation with me. It's it's more or less he is this like wise man, like uh, fucking hermit. I I don't know. Like it was it was beautifully shot. The story was unique enough. Think of it like John Wick minus the dog and the guns. And it's just this, I'm out for retribution. And along the way, I'm going to run into various individuals that have either been part of my life or have not been part of my life for some time. And you just see kind of, uh, first and foremost, like his character is just well-respected. He was very kind and people remember that type of shit. So it's kind of this return to, uh, you know, return to civilization, I haven't been around for a long time and I'm, I'm looking for something and people help me along the way. And I, I impact people. It talks a lot about the importance of food um, and how the ritual of preparing food. And obviously somebody that's worked in restaurant, you know, the restaurant industry for a long time. I also found that interesting, but clever. It was just a good story and it was well shot. I don't know. Anybody who likes Nick Cage, which I know you and, and obviously the, the entire Hargod family, uh, big Nicholas Cage people, but um, this just, I don't know. I remember when this came out, people are like, just go and see it. I got no indicators to what this was about. No indicator. I saw the trailer once when, I think when we were at the movies, I had no idea what it was about. And then it was like, people are just like, no, you got to see it. And then I did, like I said, uh, a month ago, a few weeks ago and fucking blew me away. Uh, but yeah, Pig, that's my number one overall for 2021 in the movies. Yeah, I have to see Pig and I, uh, I started Mortal Kombat, but I started it too late and fell asleep and I just never revisited it. Um, so those are two, I think I'm going to put on my docket to finish before the year end. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, Mortal Kombat in particular, I liked, um, because a, we haven't had any really source material since annihilation. I, I don't know. I didn't watch, I'm sure there were cartoons and shit. I didn't watch any of those, but to see the amount of money, uh, that they put in not only to like CG and some of the practical effects, that's what I think I appreciated the most. Everything looked good. 
everything looked good in that movie. And that's really like, as we both remember from the original Mortal Kombat movies, specifically the first one, a lot of practical effects, a lot of set design, big set design. And uh, I, I think in this movie, they, they did a really cool job of kind of showing uh, really, you know, not it's not like a blood sport, right? Where it's like, you know, you're going, you're traveling this island and this is a massive fight. It's more or less the struggle for like, in, like, I almost want to say interdimensional, like control of different realms. That's really what it is, which is, you know, uh, for those that remember the original Mortal Kombat, that's essentially what it is, right? You're fighting your way to, to get to, to Shang Tsung. Um, but this is, this is just a little, this is a little different. It's, it's a unique modern retelling, I guess, or a telling of the story of Mortal Kombat. Um, but dude, you should totally, you should totally check it out. I know it's a long movie. It's a very long movie. Uh, and I think Snake Eyes was kind of the same way. Long movies they've been putting out, <laughs> uh, especially because people can watch them in the comfort of their own homes. So you can get up and take a shit and fucking make popcorn and, you know, take a pee, you know, like you, you, you can do this all from the comfort of your own home. But um, those mo- like specifically uh, Snake Eyes, Mortal Kombat and Halloween, I was very happy that I was able to see those in theaters. Yeah, I, very would, happy. I would actually speaking of. um Halloween again uh before we wrap this up Halloween kills the soundtrack I would actually put on my honorable mentions because Carpenter with his son and Daniel Davies did a fucking amazing job once again the soundtrack to that I can't recommend highly enough it's just they they kill it every time and it's just you know new takes on like you know different versions of like little pieces of the Halloween song um and new tracks and it's just so fucking good a great original halloween material too um the halloween kill soundtrack yeah fucking amazing there's a million variants out so if you want to get it on vinyl there's a million variants cool i would say my only notable um my only notable honorable mention for movies would be the m night Shyamalan joint old um, I am an apologist for M. Night Shyamalan. I, I know that it's crass, but I just enjoy, I enjoy the movies that he's put out. We went and saw this in theaters. I, it was fine. Um, but I would put that as an honorable mention because I think, uh, specific to like his more recent films, like in the last like five or six years, um, I know that they've kind of, I don't want to say been hit or miss, but I, I felt that this was an interesting story. Um, and you know it takes place on one beach, so it's a pretty simplistic tale. Um, but I liked it. I saw I saw it in theaters too, and I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought again the the aspect of kind of having the uh, I use the term like sinister overtones, but with like essentially we're testing, you know, we're testing these subjects, um, and we're under the guise of hey, you know, check this beach out, like blah blah blah. We're we're giving them. Um, each individual that's there is selected for a specific reason because the, you know, the beach essentially expedites the aging process so we can test the long-term effects of, of X, Y, and Z. Um, I thought it was, it was interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people kind of poo-pooed on it, um, but I feel like anytime M. Night Shyamalan fucking blinks or breathes, people are being hypercritical of, of what, what he decides to do. So I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was a, it was a fine movie. Uh, it was it as good as pig no but it was it was fine i think that's the the over we have too many options and we've been exposed to so much shit i feel like if old came out in the mid 90s people would be like holy fuck that was amazing yes yes 
I do. I, I, I very much agree. I think because of the way in which people are either overstimulated and used the term, like so many options. Um, I know briefly we're, t- you know, I mentioned the thing with Netflix. Um, if you don't see something when it first comes out, or when it first gets promoted, it gets buried and never see it again. That is no different than I would argue just with media in general. It doesn't matter if it's movies, it doesn't matter if television shows, uh, music, there's so much of it out there and there's so much of it being released. Um, regularly that it you know you really have to to be aware keenly aware of these things um the uh the only thing i wanted to mention before we go i want to mention a a book i'm in the the process of reading it right now um i did the the pre-order or whatever of it um but it's confessions of a puppet master essentially it's the charles band uh of full moon features among among other little uh indie indie studios uh it's a charles band uh autobiography and it's fascinating, um, you know, for, for somebody who's essentially prided, prided themselves on being kind of a guerrilla filmmaker and um, big budget, small budget, uh, ridiculous stories. Um, I don't know. I, I firmly believe and reading through this now, having watched a number, uh, a large number of films that he's been responsible for the creation of um, Puppet Master being one of those that is, is particularly near and dear to my heart. Um, I think that Charles Mann ultimately is one of one of the more punk rock fucking uh, film heads out there. Um, just in this story about his kind of upbringing is absolutely bonkers. Uh, I, I knew that he had uh, he was in Italy for a while growing up and stuff, but I didn't know to the to just to the extent as well as to the extent that his family was involved with film. Um, like he spent time on on sets as a child. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to see the, the to, to read this story. I'm still in the process of reading it now cause I'm wanting to take my time with it. But, um, that's my book this year. It came out this year and, um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it thus far. Yeah. That sounds awesome actually. Um, yeah, there was, I mean, there's, there's so much to get into with that. I mean, at, at some point I would love to dive into the puppet master franchise. Oh, dude, I would I would love to bore your listeners talking about the intricacies of of that movie. No, I mean, it's look, the franchise at the end of the day, it's like I I know that you and I've talked about this in passing, but um, there's a lot of rewarding aspects to it. There's a lot of really shitty filler. um, But overall, I find the story to be pretty fascinating, despite certain inconsistencies between dates and locations and all that shit. But um if you can look at it from the perspective of you know again more like i I use a term like kind of guerrilla filmmaking uh independent film uh that's ultimately why i think i'm so fascinated uh with full moon and and really charles band in general is just it, it it it's the same reason i think why it's the ramones are such a huge deal to me and i'm sure to you too it's like not only is it it's good stuff but it's it's kind of a testament like anyone can do this you know, you just need to have kind of a, a dream, a vision, right? That's right. And that, that to me, at the end of the day, it's like, I love it. Not to say that there hasn't been a number of fucking giant stinking turds that Charles Band has not has been responsible for, which he certainly has been. But, you know, they can't all be zingers. Um, I'm looking at you, Corona Zombies. Not uh, not amazing. But um, that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, that, that's, my, that's my book for this year, Confessions of the Puppet Master uh, by Charles Band hell yeah well lou i thank you and when you send me these lists i'll make sure i put a, together a nice little uh picture with all with your top five movies your top five uh 
albums. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing what the rest of the Heart God Boys have to say. And uh, yeah, this is going to be one big episode. So this has been part one, and we're going to move on to part two. Lou, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Thank you much, dude. Always a blast. Welcome to episode two of the our year-end list. The Heart God Media presents the Sight and Sound podcast. And, uh, yeah, first uh, first part, I was going to jam these in one episode, but we're getting two episodes. The first one, you heard Lou's top five albums and movies, and now you're going to hear Mr. Eric Scott Tyler's and Sean Henderson's top five albums and movies. And, yeah, we're going to... We're gonna dive into it, but I mean, I, I kind of already said this with Lou guys. Been a it was a strange year, I think, specifically for movies. I agree. I, I was just uh, talking to Eric before the podcast. I'm all like, I haven't really watched shit this year. Yeah, I feel like it was much easier to to pick music. I felt like there was a lot of good music that came out, but movie wise, I don't think I could even come up with. I mean, I came up with a list of five, but I don't. And a few honorable mentions. I don't even know if I could do a top ten. I don't know if I've seen ten movies that have come out in 2021, to be honest with you. And I think, obviously, part of it due to the the, the pandemic and shit, but I don't know. It was just, uh, and especially, I feel like a lot of movies that came out in theaters, there wasn't really a lot that I was interested in. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting list that I have. Uh, the listeners are going to hear it again, because uh, I said it on Lou's podcast. Or the episode I did with um, Lou. Have, but... you, uh, have you dropped that one yet? Or are you going to drop them together? Nope, I'm going to drop them, I think, uh, same day, like maybe next week, I think. Right on. Look forward to hearing that part one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to read mine off, guys, and then I'll let you guys kind of do yours. Uh, do you want to do music or movies first? So, full disclaimer, uh, Hendo has no list for music. I figured. Huge surprise. Huge surprise there. I, I don't listen to newer music. I'm sorry. Or any music. That's not true. What's the last thing you listen to? I listen to Alkaline Trio lately. Who's that? Wait, no. Say lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what's the last thing you listen to? I've been listening to Alkaline Trio lately. Anyway, well, so, all right. Well, Eric, how about this? How about we'll, we'll rattle off our music first, and then uh, then we'll jump into movies. Perfect. Are we gonna like? We're just like kind of shouting out our list and going from there, right? We're not really like analyzing every one of them, or what? No. Uh, just if you got anything to say about mine, if I got anything to say about yours, if Sean has anything to say about any of our selections, and then we'll move on to movies. Perfect. Sounds good to me. So, uh, my number five was a band, Eric, I know, I know you like as well. Uh, Sean, I think you've seen them with me before, but, and I know you like them, but I don't know how deep you went into their catalog at all, but their latest album, their sixth self-titled, I thought it was fucking awesome. Uh, the Bronx, just a fucking killer, like rock and roll band with like punk rock attitude, just always delivers every album. I fucking love that. This new record. Um, number four, uh, I had said this previously on the other episode, uh, it probably would have been higher if it came out a little bit earlier, 
Um, but every time I die is radical. Uh, again, every time I die, Eric, you and I have talked about this too. They're one of the bands from the, out of all their contemporaries, they never broke up. They never, they never stopped making music. They pretty much been consistent from the go and they're still, you know, 23 years later into their career, they're still putting out great music and a 16 track album is pretty fucking impressive. Uh, love that record radical, uh, by every time I die. Number three, female fronted the number or two one of two uh female fronted bands in my top five uh spirit box courtney laplante uh replacement vocalist for i wrestled the bear once formed a band with her husband about four years ago called spirit box uh they released a couple singles and some eps uh, and then last year they released a single holy roller which is big on like liquid metal and sirius xm and got them a lot of traction nailed them a record deal with sharp tone records uh they put out a fucking amazing record called eternal blue and that is my number three i love it so much like super aggressive vocals but also she's probably one of the best vocalists next to my next uh artist um which is a howard jones band light the torch formerly devil you know released two records as devil you know their shitty drummer left and caused a bunch of name right issues and made them change their name pretty much forced them to more or less and they've released a second record called uh this will be the death of me light the torch uh great fucking band howard jones if no one knows sung with kill switch engage uh replaced jesse leach in 2002 sung with them until 2000 uh 12 for 12 ish and then departed i think in 2014 and jesse leach came back but howard jones just is in, in his 50s just a fucking amazing vocalist still like killing it i love this record maybe the best howard jones record vocally i've heard ever and my number one is a band from i believe portland oregon called dying wish another female fronted uh metal hardcore uh band just amazing riffs very reminiscent of stuff i listened to grow grew up listening to in the early 2000s brings me back to that uh that time period the album is called fragments of a bitter memory i fucking like i'm in love with this record only discovered it probably like five or six weeks ago and literally i'm like in love with it it's like literally just the best like the best like music i've heard from artists from this realm the metal metalcore revival type sounding bands uh not even just vocally when the vocals are, are killer and remind us of a lot of uh female vocalists of yesteryears but still does her own spin on this uh the singer of dying wish um but the the riffs just bring me right back to 2003 2004 and i'm fucking like in love with this record right now and i can't wait to see this band uh live had an opportunity and unfortunately the show got canceled but yeah dying wish fragments of a better memory my favorite record of the year right on a deep list isn't it just so great when especially now being in our like mid to late 30s like when you can find a band that you know, because obviously we know how saturated every genre of music is. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of artists in every genre. But isn't it so awesome when you can find a band that just kind of blows you away and you just get obsessed, especially like now, like someone that you, it's really kind of like a, it really catches you off guard. Like you've never heard of them and you just kind of discover them that way. Yeah, I would say it's probably like every, I don't know, man, it might be every like, seven to ten years it happens i the last time i felt this pumped on a brand new band i mean spirit box like 
they're not really that brand new. Like, I don't know. They didn't come out of like nowhere for me because I'd already knew that she was for Courtney LaPlante was already f forming another band. And, and it kind of just, I already know, knew what to expect because she was in a previous band, but I mean, just a straight band I'd never heard of, never heard any of their prior material or anything and come and knock me on my ass. The last time I remember being this knocked away by new music was when I heard, I think the second twitching tongues record, because I had not, really heard the first uh record that they put out but when they put out in in love there is no law like actually it was a little right before that when you when i discovered uh like the preacher man single like in 2000 whatever that was 12 or 13 and it knocked knocked me right in the dirt and i've been obsessed with that band as as you have uh since then and uh yeah this is the next band since this is the band first band since then i think that it blew me right away that's so awesome. I got BT calling me. Should I, t should I take it? What should I do here? Should I try to merge it? Yeah, you could try to merge it. Uh, no BT, hey, and that's fine because I expected that he's got a lot going on for someone that has nothing going on. But regardless... Uh, yeah, let's kick back in. I got, I, got a lot more to, I got a lot more to ask you. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, I, you know, I kind of... Because BT uh, fucked us up a little bit, I, I apologize. I kind of lost where we were, but... I know we were talking about new bands. You were talking about Twitching Tongue. Yeah, I was just saying it's really cool that when we music at this, you know, any time that kind of knocks you, knocks you, you're old dick in the dirt. But uh, especially when you when you get a little bit older too. But uh, uh, the Bronx record, uh, I love that record. That that is a great record. It, it unfortunately didn't make my top five, but that band is, you know, it was, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to do honorable mentions, but I did make a list of honorable mentions. But that band is so awesome, and and dare I say that they. You know, obviously I, they're a big band, but like I don't know if anybody does exactly what they do. I know I know it may sound crazy, but like I don't know, just musically, I know like people just call them like a punk band, but like I don't know. I think there's so much more to that. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, I mean they're... they have like a metallic side, and like I just don't. I just feel like the way they deliver musically, I just feel like there's not a lot of bands doing that. If that makes sense. No, they there really isn't. They kind of and even like going back to even as far back as their first record, when you hear like uh like Heart Attack, Heart Attack American and, and False Alarm, like those songs from the first record, that has like more of like a metallic punk edge to it and their music does have that, but then they have these like poppy rock like skate song, like California skate songs and like the it's they kind of have their own niche kind of carved out for themselves i really don't think enough people talk about that band um to a degree it feels like to be like the asshole like uh punk rock guy to be like oh you know this band's like you know still feels so small like you know only the real no type thing but like as soon as someone says that they're a bronx fan like i know that like we're like copacetic and we're on a we're on a level with each other for sure i mean yeah like i can't say enough great things about them and i know it's not the same band but any band who could do what they do as the bronx and then and musically then you know obviously their other project of mariachi el bronx like that musically is so rad as well like it's just incre it's incredible to me that you have two bands that are like so successful and write such great music um, I know a lot of people are in, you know, multiple bands. I don't know. I just think they're definitely a force and, and, uh, and I really, yeah, they're not talking about enough for sure. No, definitely aren't. But 
Let's uh, let's hear your top five for albums, Eric. Perfect. I'll do uh, a similar thing where I uh, start at number five. So, obviously, you guys are bear with me. Sometimes I don't explain music the greatest. Like, I, I try, but uh, I feel like, as we know, genres are so muddy. Um, sometimes I just feel like I repeat myself on stuff. But And this was really hard for me because there was actually a lot of records that came out this year that... Uh, I really, really enjoyed. But number five for me was uh, by a band called Red Fang. Uh, the album is Eros, released on Relapse Records. Um, I don't know what number record this is for them, but if I could explain Red Fang personally for me, I just think they they almost sound like kind of a not as as a weird as wild uh, clutch, if that makes sense. You know, there's like those genres that are like, you know, there's doom metal, stoner metal, whatever you want to call it. But they definitely give off that kind of like, you know, stoner metal vibe. But it's super, super musically talented. Um, and then like they, the way they transition in their songs to, you know, eclectically to super crushing and heavy to really melodic and, and catchy is really cool. Um, and that's a band that I wasn't like super into for a long time. Like I, I never really listened to them too much. And then... Um, you know, a couple of years ago, just because I always see them associated with uh, with other bands I listen to, which I'm sure everyone does that. They see a band that's associated with bands that they like, and then they're like, oh, well, let me check these guys out. So that's kind of how I found them. Um, so, yeah. All right. So that was Red Fang Arrows, number uh, five. Uh, number four is a, a self-titled record by this dude named Vincent Neil Emerson. He is um, uh, a country singer from uh, Texas, so... It's kind of got like the there's all these country singers now who i think if you were to walk up to most people and you say country they automatically they think of like i don't even know like what would be like a florida fucking georgia line yeah like exactly so there's like this whole wave of artists now who keep the old school country vibes alive uh, and he is definitely one of them you know he's definitely like the old outlaw country guys uh, willie Waylon, all those guys um He's he put out a, he puts out really awesome stuff really uh, really great stuff and his self titled record came out this year been a big fan of that one Vincent Neil Emerson anybody who thinks they'd be into that definitely check him out because he's definitely the man um, number three is a record by a dude named Amigo the Devil the record is called Born Against uh, he kind of sings like a maybe like it's funny because they come up with these funny names like Goth Americana or like Murder Folk but he's like a same type of thing, like a, some songs are like bluegrass or like rock, but he's sings a lot of interesting, interesting topics like serial killers and just really hilarious. So awesome darker stuff. aesthetic. Really I'm vaguely familiar with this dude. I've heard a yeah, lot about yeah, so him. He, really dark aesthetic for sure. And he, this, um, this record is getting a lot of hype actually. Like I was a little bit shocked, but I think it's like for some, it's like getting like Grammy like hype, which is just, if you listen to the song and listen and read the lyrics, you're like, Almost like when Ghost wins a Grammy, you're like, you guys know what Ghost is like singing about, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like the same type of thing. Uh, but he's really great. Another one I would check out. Uh, number two kind of reminds me of the story where you just told about uh, Dying Wish, uh, a band I just literally out of nowhere, I stumbled upon them on Spotify. They're called Duel, D-U-E-L. Uh, they put out a record called Incarni Persona, which I think is like some sort of Italian saying. These guys are so rad. They sound like, literally, like some of it sounds like Thin Lizzy or like uh, Black Sabbath, but definitely in like that same Red Fang vibe, like the stoner, like bluesy, like metal stuff. 
um, this record, as soon as I found it, I like could not stop listening to it. Um, and I found it just literally like, again, like a month or so ago. I think the record came out in October, but it's so good. You guys told us we love these guys. So you, um, you know, obviously saying this, so you would check them out too, but definitely it's from Austin, Texas, I think, um, dual. And, uh, my number one record is, uh, by a band I really love called Lucero. A lot of people know Lucero from Tennessee, kind of like that dude singing like, you know, rock, Americana, whatever you want to call it, but, ex, you know, old punk guys. They put out a record right at the beginning of the year called When You Found Me. This band has so many releases, but I feel like they just keep keep putting out great stuff. This record and the record before this one, um, which I think is called Out... I'm, I don't want to... I think it's called Outrun the Moon, but that might be the so- a song from this one, but... This record's phenomenal. This band is phenomenal. They keep that like DIY, like old school, um, you know, punk vibe, and I really like that. A lot of the, a lot of these bands that you listen to are like guys who are in like punk or metal bands that are singing like a different style now, which I, I kind of dig that. So, so Lucero, when you found me, uh, my number one record of uh, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I didn't even know that Lucero band was still kicking. Yeah, they still they're still fairly active. They, they do like. They tour. They do like a big festival in, uh, I think, the summertime in uh, Tennessee. Yeah, they just put this record out at the beginning of the year. So um, they're really, yeah, really great. But yeah, they've been around technically for like, I think since like the 90s, technically. But obviously, I don't think they were really like, really known, known like nationally till maybe early 2000s. But, uh, but yeah, super good stuff. I'd never heard of them until I saw like I think I saw like Nick Brooks's side band that Queen City Station after he he left uh, It Dies Today. I saw him wearing a Lucero shirt, and that's how I got that's how I got familiarized with them. And I did like like some of the records I listened to around that time. But you're talking like fucking 15 years or something now ago. Yeah, now. yeah. So that Nick Brooks, yeah, he has that that Queen City Station like they're definitely have that that vibe to them that yeah the lucero vibe which i actually love that queen city station record i think it's great yeah me too a big a big fan of that record um, yeah i don't know for half of those dudes i know uh i'm i you know some of them were like friends with uh, like uh, you know some people i knew from buffalo but i don't know whatever happened with them i kind of wish they did more music but that was really good stuff yeah, it was kind of like one and done, unfortunately. But yeah, that was a great list. Definitely gonna check out Duel. It sounds something that's right up my alley. So definitely gonna check out Duel. Yeah. Definitely check them out. I think they're they're so awesome. Chongo, you too. I know you fell asleep, but I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, movie time. Uh, I'll run through my list real quick. Like I said. Uh, and I'll let you guys, you guys can go back and forth if you'd like uh, from your five to your one if you want. But I'm going to go through mine quick just uh, just because uh, people have heard it on the first episode already. But I want to make sure you guys hear it and you guys can provide some commentary on my selections. It was really hard. I don't think I've seen many 2021 movies. Uh, I'll start off with an honorable mention that I didn't mention in the first episode I did with Lou. Uh, Werewolves Within, I thought that was a cool, fun movie. It came out in 2021. Uh, I wouldn't put it in my top five, um, but I really haven't seen a lot of movies that were from 2021 this year. But my number five, I'm going with Halloween Kills. Uh, I know it was polarizing, even for myself, and I'm putting it in the top five, which seems kind of contradictory in and of itself. But, I mean, it was still a Halloween movie. Um, We got a great experience to talk about. 
uh, seeing the movie together and it was terrible. So it, for for memory factor alone about how like awful the in, the viewing experience in the movie theater was seeing that it had to make the list. So it's number five. Number four, the Val Kilmer documentary Val that him and his son did. I thought that was fucking great. It was Val's one of my favorite all time actors. So it was great to kind of see that. And it was obviously sad but uplifting at the same time obviously Val losing most of his vocal ability and having a voice box now due, due to a tracheotomy and uh and all that it was uh it was a cool doc and i love Val and and kind of fuck the haters on Val. uh number three was the candy man uh whatever you want to call it a sequel direct sequel whatever you want to call it um i like the way they tied everything together i had a lot of fun with it it was cool to see tt back on the screen albeit for a brief moment um i liked it way more than i thought i was going to i thought it was going to kind of not really impress me and it ended up impressing me thoroughly and uh my number two ghostbuster ghostbusters afterlife this one they really just they nailed it everything i would want to see i know i know there's a lot of conflicting things with ghostbusters 2016 which i did not see i have no uh desire to see but ghostbusters afterlife i feel like they they paid an amazing tribute to the original two movies um the cameos were great i had a lot of fucking fun um and it was uh it was great to to see and i thought there was a lot of great young kid actors in it and uh hopefully to carry on the uh the legacy of not only ghostbusters but many other movies um you know because you need those young actors to hold some of this stuff that's going to make us reminiscent about the movies that we grew up with kids that are going to replace the, the Sean Astin's, the Corey Feldman's, the Corey Hames, the, the Elijah Woods, you know, the kids we grew up watching, like, you know, it's going to see cool to see a younger, those younger at new younger actors kind of carrying films that are similar to the ones that we grew up loving. So there's a lot of great young actors on there. I think some of these kid actors are putting, you know, the, the adult and, you know, 20, 30 something year old actors to shame, uh, in some cases. Um, and then my number one was, uh, an original horror film, uh, rare to get that are that when they're good, especially when they're good enough to land in, in anybody's and not that I'm anybody, but in anybody's top five, but a top one, uh, number one, Jacob's wife. I had a lot of fun with this one. Barbara Crampton, um, Larry Fessinger, uh, I had so much fucking fun with this movie. Eric, I know we watched this one together. I had uh, a blast watching this. A great new vampire movie. I mean, you can't really beat that. Directed by Travis Stevens. Travis Stevens did, you know, The Girl on the Third Floor. Uh, we get a little CM Punk uh, cameo in this one. He did uh, Mohawk, which R.I.P. Brody Lee was in. Uh, he, I know he produced. I can't remember if he directed that. Um but yeah, he also was a producer on uh, Cheap Thrills and uh, directed that. And I mean, the guy really just knows how to properly do a film and that I can relate to and that I can enjoy. So I was very pumped on this movie. Uh, excuse me, uh, E.L. Katz directed uh, Cheap Thrills, my bad. Uh, but he produced it. Um, Travis Stevens produced it. Um, but... 
but yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. It was awesome to see. It was it was definitely cool. And yeah, Barbara Crampton, fucking Jacob's ladder or Jacob's ladder, Jacob's fucking wife. <laughs> Right on, sick list. Yeah, I mean, I like, yeah, Jacob's wife we saw together. That was a fun one. Um, I mean, we ha- we have some reflection on our list, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now let's hear your guys' uh, back and forth. Let's go 5-5, five, 4-4, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. So on your start, I'm starting? Yep. Let me wet my whistle first. Alright. Uh, number puss five. Was it? Puss was? Oh, puss was. Gotta get her wet. Um, number five. Uh, James Bond's uh, newest horror film. Uh, I picked uh, Malignant. I thought it was actually a really good movie. What's what it called? Say? Was it? What's Can the film? Oh, yeah. You guys didn't hear me? No. Oh, I picked uh, number five, Malignant, James Wan's uh, newest horror film. Ugh. I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything. But I did hear that it was good. We've seen, um, I've seen the dark half, so I'm good. <laughs> uh, so I, watched, I watched dark half right after I saw Malignant, I'm like, there's way too much comparison for both these movies. Alright. Don't give it away. I haven't seen it, okay? I'm really excited. I'm gonna wait now. I'm not gonna shit talk your list though, because that's not nice of me. because um, my list might suck in your ass. But anyway, number five for me is a film that uh, was already talked about. Uh Barbara Crampton and Jacob's wife. I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh almost like a creature, you know, monster type movie. I thought she did a great job. I, I just love the resurrection that Barbara Crampton has had. And am I the it's only great. one here? I mean it's great. It's so awesome. And then she'll be at the upcoming Monster Mania, which I think a few of us might meet her. Definitely. But that one was yeah, that one Jacob's wife, a lot of fun. Anybody who hasn't seen it, check it out on Shudder. Um big fan. I I've never seen it. Well, check it out on Shudder. All right, uh, Sean, you're number four. My number four. Uh, what are you baking Dunn. a cake? <laughs> are you uh, baking a fucking cake? Uh, number four. Uh, James Dunn's uh, The Suicide Squad. Are you seeing movies by people named James? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the entire list. James Suicide Squad. When did that one come out again? Like last month or something? What was it? When did that one come out? Like around Halloween was- or something? No, it was around the summertime. Was it in the summer? Why do I feel like it was in the fall? It was, it John, was like mid-August. John Cena was in that one, right? He sure was. That's why he made the list. Was he good in it? Yeah, he was good in it. Right on. Right on. Right. All right, so my number four is a Netflix film called Power of the Dog. Uh, it is starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Is that say his name right? Benedict Cumberbatch? He sure did. Jesse Plemons, who is uh, low-key one of my favorite actors, who's done a lot of shows that I like. Uh, been doing a lot of Scorsese stuff lately as well. Um, Kirsten Dunst is in it. But basically, uh, anybody who's into like a lot of action is really not uh, going to love this movie. It's more like dialogue and character building. But it was a really cool story about... I mean, it made me... You know, it kind of makes you... It's one of those ones that makes you think. But it's like a story about 
family and masculinity and, and sexuality and, and revenge. It's basically about, uh, I mean, really simply put, it's about uh, these two um, ranch owners who, uh, you know, basically one of them finds a wife and one of them's mean to the wife. I know I'm not explaining it very well, but it's a great flick. Benedict Cumberbatch, I think, is a great actor. He does a lot of dumb shit, probably, like Doctor Strange, which Sean loves, but... I'm still so excited for the new one. Dude is a phenomenal actor, and that movie was really, really cool. Anybody who uh, kind of likes a heavy dialogue, character-building story, um, definitely check out Power of the Dog. I think it's based off of a novel of the same, uh, same title, but on Netflix. Netflix movie. Didn't mean to put anybody to sleep. But no, just... no. It's <laughs> definitely, I, I like hearing stuff, be it records or movies I haven't even heard of that uh, I can check out. So, yeah. Sean, what do you got for three? Number three, uh, I picked uh, The Old Halloween Kills. Just, the, you know, the terrible movie experience really bumped this one up. <laughs> what was your favorite scene from the movie? When everyone started chanting Evil Dice tonight. <laughs> <laughs> they happen every seven minutes. So which one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, listen, say say what you want about the film. I mean, it's obviously in a, in a franchise we love, but at least the experience was really fun, right? Yeah, and I actually like this movie. So, well, of course you put it. What was your number three? Number three. Everyone's yeah. entitled to one good scare. <laughs> The only thing I'm obsessed with is uh, the actor who Chris Nelson turned into uh, Loomis. I mean, that still warps my mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's insane. Even the close-up pictures, like, it's identical. It's just, it's mind-bending. It's insane. We can do a practical effects. Yeah, we obviously ran through, if you want to hear our thoughts on Halloween Kills, uh, we did a whole episode on that and Halloween 18, uh, its predecessor, so check that out for sure. Eric, what do you got for three? Uh, number three for me is the updated Candyman. Was it Nia DaCosta was the director, I believe? That I think this was, I'm not going to lie, like, I love, I mean, I love Candyman and Candyman 2. Like, I love those films. And when this one got announced, I wasn't uh, sure about. Uh, you know, I didn't have high expectations, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be atrocious. I know that's sad to say, and you probably want to give things the benefit of the doubt, but I was blown away. We went to see it. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought they did a good job with it. Of course, there's some probably some things that you could pick apart, but I thought the way they kind of brought a full circle and they pay, they played paid tribute to the, the originals, um, I just thought it was really, really great. And, uh, yeah, again, one that, like, kind of, kind of slapped me in the face i didn't think it was going to be great but i, I really loved it yeah my my number three as well so i you can't really pick these movies apart too much because we're getting horror movies uh and and characters that we love uh released on a on a wide scale you can't really you can only tear them apart so much before you you start being cannibalistic to the things you love exactly 100 percent Oops. All right, Sean, down to your number two. My number two is a uh, Benedict Cumberbatch movie. Uh, we guys ever heard of it? Spider-Man No Way Home. Boom. Did you just call that a Benedict Cumberbatch movie? He didn't. It. Just because he's, he's in it, it's a movie. He's one of the main characters. <laughs> All right, I mean, I love Benedict. He's a man, but... Uh... 
why uh now what's some of the give us a little bit a little tidbit of why you why this movie ranked number two on your list i'm not gonna lie it's completely fan service um they pay a lot of homage to the old sam raimi spider-mans which you know i'm a huge fan of so it was it was a good time So you admit oh, I mean, that they uh, yeah. that they were kind of they were going they were going for the the cheap pop before it, with you the whole movie then. But you can say that a lot of movies on my list were the old cheap pop. Like you can say that about Ghostbusters. That's true. Cheap pop shop. Um, people love Spider Man. I mean, they, uh, it, Marvel is now like Star Wars, where like Tom what's his, Tom Holland could take a dump on the screen in a Spider-Man costume and people will lose their mind. Yeah, I never thought I'd see the day where I think Spider-Man, as far as filmdom goes, has surpassed uh, Batman. People love Spider-Man. I don't get it. I mean, he's not Batman. He's not even nowhere near as cool. No, nowhere near as cool. He wears red and blue. Batman wears black. That's an easy equation to figure out who's cooler. I'm a fan of Spider-Man. More so than Batman? Is he better than Batman? No, but Batman is my favorite DC character, and then obviously Spider is my favorite Marvel character. So, so Spider do you like Spider Man? Spider Man. Oh. Do you like Batman better overall? Uh, obviously. Uh, that's all I needed to hear. I feel like you're being bullied into that. I feel like you really want to say Spider Man. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Eric. Number two. Um. I know this. I mean, this ranks kind of high, but I, I, mine's the documentary Veil. I I, th- I was like really blown away by that. I think uh, I don't know. You don't see something like that where a guy or a person documents so much of their life, especially in that era, like when you know, like recording, you know, camcorders and all that stuff wasn't a too big of a thing. But Veil Kim was a man. He's been in a lot of great movies, and it's crazy to see just like. I mean, it's like that with anything, like sports or music or movies, where someone who's uh, like at the height, at the top of everything, and then they they kind of crash or, or whatever. But it was, yeah, like that. Thing, it was funny. It was sad. It was it was amazing. I mean, Val is like Jesse said; he's the man. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. I know there's rumors about how he is, and it's kind of difficult. But he's in some great movies. Dude is a true artist, and I thought that, like I said, that. So many emotions with that documentary. It blew me away. I thought it was I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it was I mean Vale like I I mean I, I love so many Vale movies, Vale Vale performances that it was just so awesome to see and uh I'm glad that he seems to be fairly positive considering all he's been through. Yeah, I mean it really does. That's kinda of what I don't know, it's the vibe I got from it. Like definitely you know, sad stuff like was going through physically and, and just his career, like taking the hit it took and what, uh, just a, just a crazy good documentary. Sean, did you see that one? I have not, but I really want to. Yeah. It's on prime. Yeah. Amazon prime. I still have BT's account. There you go. There you go. All right. Number, number one from the man, but she won't give him a ride to work. That's for sure. (laughs) I get it. Take plenty of rides to work. I gave him I gave him two watches (laughs) Drum roll Number one one, No surprise Ghostbusters Afterlife 
Now, Sean, as being yeah. a is yeah. being a huge Ghostbusters fan, uh, I know you and I saw it together, but this obviously delivered on everything that you wanted to see from Ghostbusters Afterlife, did it not? It was well worth the twenty plus year wait of an a real sequel and not a dog shit reboot. <laughs> Yeah, it was all the Ramus shit was amazing. It was well done. It was perfectly planned out. I feel like they did this movie for all the right reasons. Um, and yeah, I had a fucking blast seeing it. I thought it was so great, and that's why it right. was my number two. Yeah, the crazy part is actually, you know, it was a fucking tearjerker in some moments. Oh, yeah, I had, to, I had to fucking choke down another handful of popcorn to make sure I didn't crack up when they were showing Ramus at the end. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No, yeah, I mean, I, it's got spoils for me a long time ago, so but I haven't seen it. All right, Eric, number one. Guys, obviously don't care. You just spoiled it in front of me. You didn't even ask. No, we're waiting for you to see it so we can talk with you about it. Well, you just told me that Harold Ramis is at the end. Oh, uh, he's there before that too, so no surprise. That's right. It's been ruined already. Anyway, you can't you can't trust anybody anymore. The like, internet ruins everything. That's why BT's that's why deleting his fucking Instagram. That's why I've Spider Man before the internet ruined it for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, BT is going to deactivate all social media so you can't find out spoilers and scream. <laughs> <laughs> is he really? Yeah. So you don't read the group chat? Dude, so when the group chat's on fire, I'm at work. I can't look at my phone. We see where your fucking priorities lie. Yeah. Work or the group chat? Jesus Christ. Yeah, you guys go pay my bills? You hit the fucking bathroom and you respond to every single thing everyone says. My fucking boss, legit, she keeps track of how many times you get out from the desk. Tell her to come into the bathroom with you and get her take on it, too. <laughs> Tell her to hold your phone while you wipe. <laughs> too far? <laughs> you sick fuck. Alright. Number one. Eric Scott Tyler's number one film. And just really just to let you guys know it's not Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ooh. I haven't seen it, so I do apologize. My number one is a film called Old Henry. Anybody see Old Henry? Why does that sound super familiar to me? Anyway, it's a Western. It's a new movie, obviously, but it's a Western. I don't want to give too much away, but it's based off of... Uh, actual events was basically I don't even know how I would put it uh, it's just a classic western movie there's a gentleman who's a farmer his son uh, they find a guy wounded with a bag of money they take him in and then there's some guys uh, who are looking for him uh, that's the simplest way I'll put it who, the movie is who, who did this movie the, the director is, uh, is he's a he's a fairly new guy he's got an interesting name it's like Potsy something but uh, Tim Blake Nelson is the is the main character, and he's the fucking man. I'm sure everyone knows him. Obviously, uh, Oh Brother, We're Out Thou, some other Cullen Brothers movies. He's been in a bunch of shit. He's got a real fucking unforgettable face because it's it's strange. But uh, Stephen is it Stephen Dorff or Stephen Dorff? I, I Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff actually plays um, one of the villains in the movie, and I was actually blown away. I thought he did a fucking badass job. Um, those are probably those are the two only really like um, well known actors in it. There's actually the cast is really small because there's only literally like nine people in it all together. But literally, it's fucking super violent, super brutal. Tim Blake Nelson is the man. 
Um, if you if you like westerns, if you like somewhat action movies, check it out. Like I, there's a lot of hype for the movie. Shout. Um, Trace shout fucking Atkins is in this. Yeah, Trace Atkins is in. Which is funny because I didn't, I didn't realize who like that was him uh, at first. Because uh, it doesn't really look like him in the movie, but uh, he's in it. Don't listen to his music though. But he does. He did a good job in it. Um, but yeah, Shout Studios put it out. Um, again, I think you both would love it. It's fuck. It's seriously badass. It uh, when I saw it, like instantly, I was like, "This is definitely like my favorite movie of the year." Like it's so sick. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna. I mean, I love. Uh, I love Tim Blake Nelson. We thought you was a toad. I fucking. <laughs> I fucking love our, bro- our brother where I thought might be one of the most underrated movies of all time. It, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent of my be. And he's like, he is like a great actor. So he's been in some, like he's been in so much stuff. I think people like kind of, he's always been kind of, cause he's never really like the, the true star of the film, but he's a, the, he's the number. He's the a one in this one. He, yeah. He is like, he is the main character in this one. He does a great job. And like I said, I was blown away. I thought Stefan Dorf or Stephen Dorf did a great job as well. Um, I haven't seen him act in anything in quite a while, but yeah, I think you both would love it. Uh, a lot of hype for it. It was so good, so good. I think I watched it on Prime. I had to rent it, but I'm sure it'll be everywhere pretty quickly. So, all right, those are some lists. I like them. Now I'm definitely gonna check out Old Henry. I'm definitely gonna check out Duel. Uh, I gotta ask you guys though before we wrap up. What's some shit that you're looking forward to in 2022 as far as movies and or music? Uh, let's see. I mean, I'm obviously looking forward to the uh, upcoming Scream movie. Um, yeah, I'm excited for Scream. Uh, obviously, the Batman. It's I'm definitely on my radar. Yes, Batman should be interesting. I'm super pumped for uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese's new movie with Leo and... Uh, and uh, De Niro and Jesse Plemons is in that as well. That one's like I'm. I have a lot of hope for that one. I'm trying to think of anything else, I'm really. Uh, I'm definitely interested in both of those. Obviously, the Scream, Scream Five. They're calling Scream. Um, I'm definitely interested to see what they're going to do to that. If they're going to destroy it or if it's going to be okay. And definitely interested in that new Scorsese joint, but also the Batman as well. I'm not a comic book guy at all, but I do appreciate my Batman movies. Um, the new Leatherface that's direct going direct to Netflix. Um, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's supposed to be a direct sequel to the first. Seems like it's the go-to move the last few years <clears throat> for a lot of these films. So another entry in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film land. I'm definitely pumped for that. Yeah, I'm trying to like. What? Sorry, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say, Eric, gave me honorable mentions for films. Ooh, well, yeah. Well, I'll do that. But I, a couple other movies I can think of for 2022. 2022. Sorry, is obviously new Top Gun up for. Yeah, Halloween we've been end. waiting for that one Hall- finally. Or Halloween ends. I forgot about Halloween that. ends, of course. John Wick is always fun. Um, Jesse tries to see him. Uh, yeah, those, I see Clancy really Brown's going to be in John Wick 4 now. i just seen him post that. Like Clancy oh, Brown? Yeah, Clancy Brown just posted something about it. And then literally like an hour later, I saw it got postponed to 2023. Awful. What the fuck? But yeah, honorable mentions, I mean, I have Halloween Kills on there, of course. 
Uh, I, there's a movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead with uh, Angelina Jolie. It's written and directed by this Taylor Sheridan dude who does the show Yellowstone, and he did uh, this movie called Wind River. He was on Sons of Anarchy. I think he wrote on there as well. He's like does some awesome shit. That that movie was really cool. Uh, Willie's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage. If you hell yeah, seen, you see that might be the most outrageous movie ever made. Uh, Jen wanted to put in that she really wanted people to know that amusement park was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if any of you guys were bring that up. Amusement park. Like um, I said, I've said it a million times. There's a reason George fucking hid that movie from us. <laughs> but honorable mentions, that's really all I got. There's movies that I did, I did want to say that I haven't seen that I probably would be on my list. Like, obviously, Ghostbusters, I want to see. Uh, Pig with Nicolas Cage, I really want to see that one. That's really kind of... Which is funny, because on my honorable mentions, I have Willie's Wonderland and Pig. Yeah, Lou, Lou mentioned... Lou was Pig was Lou's number one film. Um, so I am definitely... Um, not to spoil the episode for you guys that you haven't listened yet, but Sean ain't going to listen. Eric, I know you'll listen, but... Um, but yeah, uh, Pig, Lou talked highly about, so I'm definitely interested to check out Pig, and I need to check that out before the end of the year. And then yeah, the, the three movies I still need to see is uh, the new Matrix movie, American Underdog, and then Guillermo del Toro's newest film, Nightmare Alley. Nice. Oh, yeah. What, uh, I think it's on something right now for free. It's either Hulu mm. or... I think yeah, it I think it's Hulu. Hulu. So I'm going to definitely have to check that out. So. All right. Well, let's read BT's list and tear it apart. Hell yeah, let's do this. This is what he gets. My list... Um, We'll do we'll do uh, albums first. At number five, Bleachers. Take the sadness out of Saturday Night. No fucking clue who the fuck that is. Uh, Jen likes Bleachers, right? Jen likes Bleachers, I think. Uh, I'm not a fan of Bleachers or like actual Bleachers too. They're yeah. not good for fat. <laughs> yeah, fuck Bleachers. Marina, Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land is his number four. No fucking That's clue who Marina is. No idea. I like it though. BT fucking up. Number, number three, Arlo Parks collapsed in sunbeams. What the? Who the fuck is Arlo Parks? The fuck is the BT listening to? Hey, don't mock him, Sean. You didn't have a music list. True. Listen, I only had thirty minutes to come up with a list. Okay. I literally thought I was gonna say Arlo Pear, like fucking um, Richard Pryor's name in fucking the movie, movie Moving. I like a dude named Arlo, but I don't know. But yeah, I'm not going to listen to some of this stuff BT's spewing out. I'm here. definitely going to listen to Marina and Arlo Parks. Number two, BT's love, of, the love of BT's life if he were straight. Lana Del Rey's Blue Bannisters. That's two, huh? Yeah. And then number <laughs> one is Wolf Alice, Blue Weekend. Wolf Alice. Definitely B- going to check that out, too. I wonder if these are all Dread Resin recommendations. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, his Sean trying to talk shit when he doesn't even have a list. Sean ain't listening to nothing but fucking Drake this year. No. I listen to Drake, listen to Ghost this year. All right, his number five for his movies now Zack Snyder's Justice League. Hell yeah. Number four, Candyman. Wait, 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 wait. What? Wait, I'm confused. Uh, Justice League came out in 2021. The Zack so Snyder they, version. They released the Zack Snyder cut this year. So that counts? I guess so. Yeah. It's, a, it's a completely different movie. Okay. 
Candyman is his number four. Malignant, his number three. Suicide Squad, his number two. Hmm. And Last Night in Soho as his number one. That fucker saw that without me? (laughs) Wait, so, did either of you guys see that? No. No, I didn't. I thought it looked like cool, but I just haven't seen that one. No, I haven't seen it either. Um... I do like that actress, whatever the fuck her name is. She was in The Witch, and uh, I would tell you her name, but Jen's right next to me, and she'll say something mean if I know her name. So I don't know her. <laughs> oh, Jen just said it for me. Anna Taylor Joy. Okay, what a name! And Edgar Wright is a good. He does good movies. I mean, I'm, I do love Edgar Wright films. I will say, so, I, I will say that I did enjoy as far as TV series go. Uh, I was a big on Midnight Mass. I think it's the best thing that uh, Mike Flannery is that his name? Is that that dude's name? Uh, it, yeah, it is Flannery, I believe. Mike, I think Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Sorry, Mike Flanagan. Flanagan. Uh, I think that's the best thing he's done so far in his entire career is Midnight Mass. I loved Midnight Mass. Bring, give me all the fucking monsters, all the vampires, all the werewolves, every creature that's ever lived. I want it all. Um, I loved Midnight Mass, and currently in Dexter New Blood, I'm loving that. It's obviously not finished uh, yet. I think there's four or five more episodes. Um, but yeah, I'm loving Dexter New Blood. What about TV shows to wrap this up for you guys? Anything you guys? Yes, exciting TV shows. I definitely, I'm definitely gonna name a bunch after Sean does. So the only TV show I really watched is uh, Dexter. All right. Tell everyone about the last season of Dexter before this one. I watched the Cliff Note version on YouTube because I didn't have time to watch it for the new season. <laughs> why was uh, why would you? That's what I don't get is why wouldn't you just watch the season that last season of Dexter and then start New Blood after all the episodes are up? Because I don't have time before my free subscription to Showtime runs up. Okay. Yeah, but why didn't you wait to do that? It's okay. So you might as well forget it. I know what happened. Dad dies and fucking Dexter went all Bruce Wayne on us. <laughs> so that's uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw out a bunch of shows that I think are good uh, in no particular order that I watch. Yellowstone. Curb Your Enthusiasm, Succession, uh, Narcos Mexico, Ozark. Um, what else? What am I missing here? Ted Lasso is a really funny one on uh, Apple TV. Ozark didn't have a new season though, right? No. I don't know. It blends together. I can't remember. No, no Ozark then. We'll take that one out. Uh, Mayans was a good one. I like that one too. There's a lot of good shows, I think. I'm yeah. probably missing some. But. TV, TV is taking over. Uh, to the episodic television is uh, where it's at as far as uh, the makings go. That's what I'm excited for too. Is uh, Stranger Things uh, season four? Stranger Things, yeah. Ozark. We got Righteous Gemstones starting. Yeah, a couple soon. weeks. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's a lot of good shit. I do, do got to get on the last season, uh, this this season of Dexter. I did watch the last one. I didn't just watch YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> I heard that there's some people out there that just watch death scenes on YouTube instead of watching the movie. Yeah, in some countries, they only eat vomit. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of good shit. A lot of good shit coming out. 
All right, guys, this has been uh, a fucking blast and a half. Um, I'm looking forward to checking out uh, Arlo Parks and fucking Marina from BT's list of music. I'm looking forward to checking out fucking nothing that Sean listened to because he didn't have anything. Um, what I like about BT's list, though, I like that, you know, because you listen to whatever you want, like I'm all for it, but I like that I only recognize one person from his list. I like that. Yeah, Lana Del Rey is the only thing. I, everything else is fucking... It might as well be fucking sitting in a fuck on a recess corner table next to a fucking goddamn triple hot shot. Sean, could you give us one uh, record that came out in twenty twenty that you like? Just one. Twenty twenty one. Listen to uh, the brand new uh, Four Year Strong album. That came out in twenty twenty. Then why did F? Then why did F phone said brand new album pop up? It's a deluxe version. Mm. It is a good record. It is a good record, though. It is. At least you gave us something. I'm yeah, that's something. That. It's better than nothing. All right, gentlemen. It's been real. This is the last episode of 2021. And uh, if anybody has given a fuck to listen to any of these episodes, especially this far into this last episode of the year, uh, 2022, we're starting off. Uh, last year, we did, it for well, this past year, in 2021 in january we did action movie month and covered some action films and this month we are returning to the action movie uh month but we are doing it uh specifically on jean-claude van damme we're doing uh jean-claude van damme january jvcd uh or jcvd excuse me uh january and we are doing juggernauts literal juggernauts kickboxer blood sport time cop and double impact so look forward to that it's gonna be a lot of fun and yeah here's the here's to the last uh last episode of the year and uh many more next year in 2022